in the moment when you're challenged and something's going wrong and somebody's dangling a quick fix carrot in front of you, it is so damn easy to see that and just get like stoked about taking that and immediately solving your pain because you're hurting and because it's tough and it's so much easier to just get a quick hit of dopamine to feel good than uh, solve the actual root cause. And so I think it's that immediate gratification mindset that hurts people more than anything else, especially in the sales industry. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, all right, guys. We got a good one today for you. We got Coda Ivers in the house. He's the CEO and co-founder of Grateful Company and Grateful Solar. He's an expert in sales, recruiting, and leadership. He's sold 15 million personally and recruited 600 reps personally himself. Coda, you and I met through social media. I started seeing your posts. I was loving the stuff that you were putting out. And anytime somebody's putting out positive content or educational content, I'm always going to jump on that bandwagon and like everything that you put out. And, uh, and then after that, I saw that you joined the RBO circle as well. And I was like, man, I've got to get Coda on the podcast after hearing everything that you've done so far. So welcome to the podcast, brother. Heck yeah, man. Appreciate it. I've been seeing your name all over social media as well. So it's been cool to kind of see each other through the social channels and RBO and everything and finally get connected some more. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get straight into this. And I'm sure the question that you get a lot is how old are you? Uh, yes, I'm 28. So probably older than, than I look for sure. But yeah, man, 28 years old. And you're already uh, obviously an entrepreneur, a business owner, father, husband. Yep. Let's Let's kind of dive into your upbringing a little bit, right? What kind of started all this ambition what was the uh i guess the catalyst for all that yeah i grew up uh lower middle class moved around a lot parents got divorced kind of like the classic normal i say normal because there's a lot of you know divorced parent families and uh i i did get exposed to some extent uh you know tony robbins and like some positive audio my dad was into that so it wasn't like he was necessarily like ingraining that in me but i at least got exposed to it at a pretty young age some of the old school tony robbins like awaken the giant within tapes you know you listen to that in the car sometimes and uh i always from a young age knew that i wanted to make money i don't necessarily know where it came from i was also very organized and ocd and adhd as a kid i would save my candy i would get a poster board or you know a halloween and i would uh organize the candy bars by either size or color alphabetical or whatever it was and i would basically like save it there and so like you could go you know months and months after halloween you would open my closet you'd see this poster board with candy bars from halloween on the floor and i would either you know bring it to school and sell it or i'd sell it to my sisters that ate their candy you know within a week of halloween um so i always had sort of that hustler kind of mindset you know i was i was 13 years old i was uh, I became an eBay power seller. I realized that you could flip things online like electronics. I was big into gaming and Pokemon and things like that. And so I uh, created an eBay account and I got over like 135 star reviews off of 
purchasing Pokemon games or gaming consoles or uh, Game Boy Color, whatever it was, and I'd flip those, I'd refurbish them, I'd take higher quality pictures, do a better, you know, description when I was selling it, and I would use Craigslist and eBay, and I would just, you know, make money doing that, and so I actually made some decent cash while I was 13, I actually helped my dad pay pay rent a couple of times, and just help out some of the bills, and so, um, grew up in St. George, Utah, after that, and when I say grew up, I mean, that's where I went to high school, so, I moved around probably 20, 30, 40 times. I don't even know, man. Like, for real, it was a ridiculous amount of times up until I was about 14, 15. And then it started to slow down a little bit going into high school. And, uh, you know, graduated from Snow Canyon in St. George, Utah. And that's kind of where the journey began. Oh, I love it, man. Yeah, I, I always think back to, you know, my DirecTV days and my AT&T cable days. And we were always banging against the guys in Utah and we just, we couldn't compete, man. You guys were like bread <laughs> for door to door. It's just, it's not even close. So, you know, it, I started smiling when you talked about the candy bars, you know, because I think about my son right now and he's, he's the same way. He's ADHD, he's dyslexic, you know what I mean? But yep. he will, will go to the corner store and he has some money, right? So he'll go into the corner store and he'll buy the big pack of gum, right? Yep. And then he'll go to school and at school, he'll sell it by the stick. And, and the kids will pay 50 cents all day long for that stick. And he ends up flipping that pack of gum with, and it's like eight bucks in profit. And it's I'm like, man, right there. yeah, exactly. And so, but, but same thing, like, like your dad with you, he wasn't necessarily like, Hey, you're going to grow up and be an entrepreneur. And you know what I mean? You're going to awaken the giant within, but he was still exposing you to it. Right. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't think of a time when I'm in my truck that I'm not, listening to a podcast or listening to a Monday motivation from apex or, you know, uh, real business owners podcast, or, you know what I mean? And, oh, yeah. and they're like totally bored by, by it right now, but I got to imagine some of that stuff is getting through. Right. So the, no, that's fantastic. And that, you know, I think you're completely right though. A lot of that stuff is just ingrained in you. That's how you're built. You know what I mean? And then your influences just kind of guide you towards where you're at yeah. now. Yeah. So, you're a high performing entrepreneur, right? And what does that mean? That means you're doing a lot, you know what I'm saying? In terms of volume, um, you know, I experienced that in my mid twenties and I wasn't very good at juggling the being a husband and a father and a high performing entrepreneur. So how are you doing that now? Yeah, this is a, it's, it's fun talking about it this year compared to some of the podcasts that I did, you know, maybe last year, just because so much has changed, not just in the business, but, you know, uh, I had a lot of internal reflection, pivotal reflection points where I'd, I'd be reflecting on my performance, you know, as a husband, as a father, as a business partner, as a friend, as a son. And it was probably like, I'd say three months ago that I started going deep on a lot of these questions with myself. And I was like, why, why am I telling myself that I'm doing this for my family when I'm sacrificing time with them? And it, and it wasn't anything drastic. You hear about these ridiculous stories where it's like, you know, they're killing themselves working from 6am to 11pm and they don't even see their family at all. And, it wasn't anything that bad. You know, I still like came home and I would, I would play with my son every night, but it wasn't the level of, of fatherhood, the level of, of being a, an excellent husband that I expected or wanted of myself. And I just started thinking about it and I was like, man, I, 
I've bailed on date night so many times, so many times I've, you know, talked to coaches or uh, been in a mastermind and people talk about the, the prioritizing of the date every week with your wife, you know, like the uninterrupted date. And it was like, I couldn't even do one date a week. Like, what the hell, man? Like, why, why can't you do one date a week? You say you love your wife, but you're not willing to, you know, carve out one structured date every week. And the couple dates that we did, I was distracted. You know, and sometimes that's hard and it's kind of normal. Like when we're, when we're building big businesses and we're caught up in things, your mind gets consumed with, you know, the, the growth or like, okay, well, I got to do this. And you start thinking about the things you've got to do when you get back in the office or, you know, that meeting that you have coming up. And I was just like, I'm kind of a shit husband right now. Like, honestly, you know, like I'm, I'm supportive. I'm there, you know, kind of, but I wasn't really doing the things that I knew that I should be doing. And I looked at my son, Nixon, and I told myself I was, I was building all of this for him. I was building him this mega successful family trust enterprise that I could pass down and discipline and all these lessons that I learned and, you know, structure something for him that he could step into. And it's like, he doesn't even want that. I'm like, all my kid wants is to, is to play with his dad, is to have fun experiences. That's all he cares about. He doesn't care about money. You know, he's, he's four years old, but I was like, when I reflect on my past, I don't, I don't have any judgments, any negative, anything for my parents really, or my childhood. Like, yeah, we struggled and there was like certain things were definitely rough, but all I remember when I look back are the good memories, you know, the time with family, playing with cousins, things like that. And I'm like, here we are in Texas, isolated my family, you know, we're to, to build this company and my son doesn't really have any friends out here. He's basically at home all the time. He has a good life. He's taken care of and he has, you know, like he's spoiled, whatever. But like he's not in the growth environment that I would I would I would want for him in a perfect situation. And then my wife, you know, doesn't have a lot of friends out there, uh, doesn't have family nearby. And I just realized how selfish I was being. And I was like, wow, I, I'm telling myself that I'm being selfless. I'm telling myself that I'm doing it for all these people. And really it's just bullshit. I'm just being extremely selfish. I'm, I'm, I'm building all this for myself, you know, to serve my ego, to, uh, conquer the things that people told me that I couldn't do, you know, 10 years ago, whatever it is, you know, and, and I realized that there had to be a way. And Taylor Welch was actually a guy that I followed. He's on our board of advisors now. Awesome guy, but he puts out a lot of really good content. And one of the things that he recently did this year was, he walked away from his $100 million business, his business at 95 million last year. And he literally gave the keys and he was like, I'm done. He didn't sell his equity. He just stepped away. And he said it was because he realized that there was a better way. He wanted to have a good lifestyle while he was building his dreams. And I was like, there's gotta be a way. Like I'm a smart enough person that if I sat and really wanted to, I could probably build just as successful of a business in a healthy way while still maintaining a great relationship and doing great things with my family and my loved ones. So that's kind of what it shifted for me, man. But I mean, I, for the last, you know, six years of being with my wife and four and a half years of my son being born, mm -hmm. uh, struggled a lot. That was for sure the hardest part, man, was trying to make time for, for them in a good, healthy, intentional, like being present way because business was just like everything. Um, I feel what you're saying so much because most of my twenties, I was that guy, right? And, it, and it's such a cliche answer. And I, and I always give people a hard time when they say, oh, my wife's my family, right? It's a very boilerplate answer. 
and it is a hundred percent right at a very elementary level, but your why is so that you can spend that time with your family and nobody's telling you what to do as an entrepreneur. Your why is so you can have experiences with your family. You know what I'm saying? So it's like my yeah. why is my family. Yes, I understand at an elementary level it is, but you got to put some like tactical action behind that. What is it actually? You know what I mean? Because it was for the longest time for me, the same thing is exactly what you said. It was ego, you know, and it yep. was ego because I came from a place that there was no success. You know what I mean? You know, we had some poverty. We had some no structure in the, the home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, divorce, a child of divorce, several divorces. Right. And so all I wanted to do was not be that person. You know what I mean? And so once I got the perfect family in place and started killing it in business, then I thought, okay, that's it. That's all I have to do. To do. But like you said, it's a very average mindset. Like, yeah. all right, am I going to be an average father and an amazing business owner? Or am I going to be an amazing father and an amazing business owner? And we can do both. I couldn't agree yeah. with you more than that. We could absolutely do both. And the beautiful thing is you're realizing this probably about at 28, it probably took me all the way until about 30 to realize that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're, you, you realized it early in the game, which is awesome because you obviously have a appetite for, um, an appetite for mentors or an appetite for masterminds or education in general, you know what I'm saying? And that's, that's the difference maker right there. And obviously yeah, no, it is, man. 100%. Yeah, it's nuts. So what do you think? At, at this point in the game, you're 28 years old. And uh, what are you guys trending to this year in your what business? What? what do you, you, I think uh, the number trending that you towards? gave, yeah, 20 million, was that the number? Yeah, yeah, as of last month, it was 20 million. We'll probably round the year out just shy of 30 million for the year. And you guys are installing too, right? Yep, so March of this year was when we launched the company. The Grateful Company was formed March of 2022. And the vision for it was to be a renewable holdings company and do in-house uh, solar installation on the residential side, mm -hmm. uh, commercial installs, and then uh, in-house uh, roofing as well. And so, and we have a panel procurement division as well, but that's, I mean, there's, there's good money in it. Don't get me wrong. We've done millions right. in, of revenue in that division, but uh, the other things are kind of like the big long-term focus for sure. Yeah, and I just I, I wanted to point that out because I, I knew most of that because of your intro in uh, our, the RBO mastermind. And I, I want to point that out because a lot of people throw out these big numbers and they're just doing the sales piece, the sales engine. You guys are doing the install, you're doing panel procurement, you got your hands in all pieces of the solar, all pieces of the solar business, which I believe if you're going to make it in this game over the next five years, you need to be integrated 100%. Yeah. You obviously recognize that you're executing on that. So that's massive. And I think that's a big point for, you know, we do, I, I would say about 30 to 40% of our listeners are in the solar business in some form or fashion. They, you yeah. know, you'll see our episodes with solar personalities probably get the most downloads uh, besides our foundation episodes. So I wanted to point that out for sure, how you're executing on that. Where do you see on the sales side of things? Cause a lot of your content is centered around sales. Where do you see a lot of sales reps making mistakes in solar? I think that a lot of them, I think the biggest problem, if I look at salespeople and sort of that mindset, like that's the best way that I can classify it is 
there's just different types of people and the sales minded type of person, at least the classic sales minded type of person is very much based around dopamine, reward, ego, uh, quick fixes, quick results, get money now, get big money now, kind of that mentality, at least for me and a lot of the people that I've seen in the sales industry, coaching lots of people and working with lots of people, that's kind of like, if you look at the the character around that, that person, that's sort of like the traits involved. And the reason I bring that up is because I think that the biggest mistake that people in sales make isn't necessarily like one thing that they're doing when they're knocking doors or calling people, you know, or talking to people at a kiosk. I think it's the mindset. I think it's that it's so difficult to change your mindset from a what's going on this month or the next 90 days to where do I want to be five years from now? And if I look back at the biggest mistakes that I made over the last eight years of being in door to door, all of the biggest mistakes that I made led back to making a decision for the immediate solution rather than the actual solution or the long-term solution. And I was talking to a guy two days ago that we're uh, potentially recruiting him and his buddy, his buddy signed on with us and starting uh, with us in the morning actually. And the other guy is debating if he's going to be working with us or another company that's offering him a sign on bonus because we don't do sign on bonuses. And I basically Amen. told him don't, yeah, whatever you do, like you don't have to pick our company uh, or the other company. Like it really doesn't matter what company you pick. Just don't make the decision of the company you go with be because of the sign on bonus, because it is so easy to see that quick money. You know, I think it's like 10 or 15 grand. It's a really small amount. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're hurting for cash, 10 or 15 grand is a big amount. And right now, feels real nice to have a little bit of cash in your pocket. It feels real nice to not have to worry about bills for a couple of months. It feels real nice to have that sense of relief and maybe go buy something nice for yourself, get some new shoes, get this. And I told him the same thing with, with my story. Like I made that decision so many times of the quick solution. Had I just in the very beginning sat down and said, where do I want to be in 10 years? And told myself, well, I want to be, you know, multimillionaire, this is kind of what I want my life to be like, this is what I want uh, to be doing on a daily basis, my habits, my lifestyle. It's so easy to say that or to do that once. But then in the moment when you're challenged, and something's going wrong, and somebody's dangling a quick fix carrot in front of you, it is so damn easy to see that and just get like stoked about taking that and immediately solving your pain, because you're hurting and because it's tough. And it's so much easier to just get a quick hit of dopamine to feel good than uh, solve the actual root cause. And so I think it's that immediate gratification mindset that hurts people more than anything else, especially in the sales industry, uh, which is tough because one of the main reasons that we get people when we're recruiting into sales is because they have to fix their situation fast. So they're willing to do something that most people aren't, which is knocking doors or cold calling yeah. or whatever it is. So you do need a little bit of that just to get into sales in the first place. And so finding that balance of, I'm going to get into this and take a risk and bet on myself, but I'm going to make decisions based off of the next, you know, year, five years, 10 years, instead of the next, you know, today or 90 days. I think that's, if people could really master that, it, everybody would be living a much better life. Man, I couldn't agree more. The, the short-term mindset creates so many, what I like to call hoppers, right? They hop mm, from one company yep. to another. And, uh, you know, I would coach, once you got into the, the management level, especially on the cable side, once you got into the management level, I would start coaching mindset at that point, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, 
we would, we would go through these exercises where we mapped out the next five years of their life. And uh, one of the hardest things to get them to wrap their mind around was opportunity versus compensation, right? Mm. And so making compensation-based decisions is usually a short-term decision versus opportunity-based decision, like looking at the company and saying, okay, you know, if I go in, you know, I know I'm good at what I do, whether it's sales or just any job I've ever had, right? I've been one of the top employees, right? So I know I'm going to go in, I'm going to learn, I'm going to execute, I'm going to rise in the ranks. Where's my opportunity with this company versus the income? You know what I'm saying? And if yep. you make an opportunity-based decision, you may not get the income right away, but the the opportunity is so much more important in motivating us over the long term versus the income. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So what do you think a good opportunity in, in solar looks like? Like if, if we've got some people listening to the show that aren't happy with the company that they're with, or they want to get into solar, they're in, you know, pest control, they're in security or whatever the case is, they're in another door-to-door business or maybe even uh, telemarketing and they want to get into a different product. Solar's been on their mind. They're looking to make that jump. What should they be looking for in a solar company? There's a few different things. Um, the way I look at it is there's not a right answer for everybody because it depends on your goals and it depends on the model that you most appreciate or resonate with. Uh, but I do think number one at the top is trust, which is a really difficult one because <laughs> mm-hmm. you might not know anybody in the solar industry and you might have to do some cold reach outs and meet some people. And so you're kind of using your best judgment on whether or not you can trust this person or, or this company because, and the reason I put trust at the very top is because plain and simple on paper, people can show a lot of opportunities, a lot of sexy things in terms of where this could be going, what your red line might look like, your pay scale, all these different things. But ultimately, if you can't trust them not to screw you, the best opportunity in the world isn't going to actually be fulfilled. So I put trust at the top because you got to know that it's real. Um, outside of trust, I would look at the values and the culture and the attitude of the environment you're going to be in because the environment's the greatest dictator of your success. You, we, we've all heard that you're the environment of the, you become the, you know, the average of the five people you hang out with the most mm-hmm. and it's true and it's cheesy and overplayed for a reason because it's a fact. And if yeah. you go into an environment of killers, you'll be a killer. If you go into an environment of complainers and victims, you will be a victim and you will complain. And so even if you have five times as poor of a pay scale with a company that has an absolute savage mentality, a mentality of abundance and success and victory and confidence and supporting each other and momentum, you're going to make overall way more money in that environment than the one with the absolute best pay scale on the planet. You know, they pay you within 24 hours, all those things, but the environment is complaints. It's negative. It's sleazy. It's uh, mm-hmm. screwing people out of money to make a quick buck. So I would put environment and culture and values right under trust. And then outside of that, I think uh, you really just have to look at what your goals are for the long term, what you're looking to get over the next two years, three years, five years, however long you're kind of expecting roughly to stay in this industry and this opportunity. And then align that with the company that sort of fits into that model. And the things that I would look at are how is this going to be sold a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now? Because I don't think door-to-door is going to be the number one thing. I don't think door-to-door is ever completely going away by any means, but I do think that 
well, not even I think statistically people are answering their doors less right now, plain and simple. Right. It's, you know, DoorDash, people put in the notes like myself, don't knock, don't ring the doorbell. Just, just, just message me when you deliver it. And I'm going to like right. crack my door open, grab my food and slam the door. And that's kind of the culture that we're in right now. And as awful as it is, COVID accelerated that massively. And people are in their doorbell cameras and they don't have to come to the door. They don't want to come to the door. So I do think that the model of how it's going to be sold is, is changing and adapting. And you should probably mm-hmm. put yourself in a situation and a company and an opportunity that's suited to adapting with the times. Another interesting thing right now is financing. You have to sort of bet on where you think the market's headed over the next year to two years because financing is heavily affecting the industry. Are you with a company that is not making necessary adjustments to be able to potentially price a little bit lower, a little bit more competitively, and also have more competitive financing options to better suit the customer while these interest rates are so ridiculous because dealer fees, finance fees, all these are getting crazy with a lot of these companies. So that's another thing that I would look at is, all right, where is the financial market of solar headed over the next year or two? And who's making the necessary changes uh, to keep me in a competitive spot with this company? Uh, And then outside of that, I would just say a place where you are happy is probably the last thing. Like you, 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 you don't need to sacrifice your quality of life and your level of fulfillment and peace and happiness just to have a good company. I used to always say this quote, uh, live now like most others won't to live later like most others can't. And I love it. I love it still to an extent, but I would change it because that quote basically insinuates that you have to sacrifice everything now to eventually mm-hmm. get everything. And this is the first year that I've, I've realized that's not the case. You don't need to sacrifice everything that you care about. You can live a healthy and happy life. You know, you can go home and if you like Netflix, you can watch an episode of Netflix every night. You really can. You can be a billionaire. There are billionaires that watch Netflix. Like <laughs> the whole, like you have to be up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 3 a.m. and you gotta work yeah. all day long. It's just not true. You can create leverage, you can create a lifestyle, you can build a, a system for yourself and an environment for yourself where you can thrive and be happy while building it. Does it mean you can avoid hard work? No. Does it mean you can sleep in and be lazy? No. Does it mean you can lack discipline? No. You're still gonna have to do all those things. But I do think that it's important to find a place that you're gonna be happy and excited to wake up to and to work for because if you don't have that vigor where you wake up and you're like, hell yeah, I gotta go and work for these guys, it's not gonna last that long and it's just gonna be an uphill battle to continue winning with that company. And it's going back to what, what you said in the beginning, that short-term thinking versus long-term thinking, everything you just went through is very long-term focused, right? Trust values, culture. Are you happy there? And I agree with you hundred percent. There's, you know, there's certain things that I execute on that work for me, like waking up at four thirty, and there's other things that I don't execute on. Like, yeah, I, you know, right now I'm watching, Wednesday every night with the family for at least an hour. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I show watch right now. Yeah, yeah, it's a great <laughs> show. <laughs> it's just it's uh, so if you're if you're my age, so I'm 37. Oh crap! I just made myself older. I'm 36. Like Adam's family was it when we were growing up. You know what I mean? So Wednesday coming back around. That's 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 my show, not my kids' show. <laughs> but my yeah, kids yeah. love it too, so it works. But I I couldn't agree more. You know. And, and what happens is it gets convoluted because of social media. So once one person says, you know, I get up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, you got the guy working out and, you know, that's the difference between winners and losers and that whole thing. Then somebody copies that and somebody else copies it and it starts trending. And all of a sudden that's the thing yeah. to do. You know, it's like, uh, 
a lot of what's trending right now is the tax codes. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, you can pay your kids. Like I see one of those reels every other day, you know, and it's working for yep. people that are tax consultants. So I get it. Execute on it. Do your thing. But a lot of people that keep jumping from trend to trend thinking it's going to it's going to change their life. They're not accommodating what works for them, you know? Yeah. And that's different Yeah, for everybody. And that that's the same way in the case of a of a solar company. But a few things I do agree with you 100 percent on is going deep and not necessarily wide. Right. So, yeah, you know, the the sign on bonus, the next day pay the. Uh, you know, the highest commission, we pay the highest commission. Those three things are big red flags for me. Because my question is, all right, what are you trying to make up for? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you're doing all those up. things, you're obviously trying to make up for something. Maybe you can't handle the amount of sales reps that you have. Maybe your fulfillment process isn't good. Maybe you don't have any company culture. It's all about the money. You know what I'm saying? And typically when you have things like that, those are big red flags that you should look out for as a perspective solar salesperson so yeah man totally. it's also crazy how there's hundreds of the fastest growing solar company in america i had no idea there were so many fastest growing companies <laughs> out there coda's like i'm actually one of them but you guys are all taking it so i can't even say anything or else i'll sound like yeah you. <laughs> can't claim it yep <laughs> yep i know how you feel man uh, there was a while there so the the highest i ever got on the at&t uh, authorized dealer campaign was number two. And that was, I understood that it was number two with that distributor. So it was more like mm -hmm. number four in the country. Right. And, uh, but every, like the, t the five people under me were all number one dealer in the nation. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course, Wait a second. of course. <laughs> Matter of opinion, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of ways you can sell solar right now. You know, you've got people doing digital lead gen to cold dials to, uh, you know, you've got uh, social media ads like crazy, you know, Prospect Bacon's doing their thing. Uh, Solar Panda's doing their thing. Right. Um, and then you've got door to door. Um, my personal favorite right now is the referral based model where you you can find referral partners. You know, mortgage professionals are huge for that right now because they're not signing a lot of mortgages, but they do have yeah. a whole list of people that just bought a home. And are looking to save money and so um that's my favorite right now what is your favorite solar model right now door-to-door -door, virtual lead gen digital so we're doing a lot of them right now mm -hmm. we're doing door-to-door -door. we're doing uh a remote program where we buy lists and people can call for us and commission only and book those appointments and close virtually mm -hmm. uh we're also doing a, a remote call center that's separate from us where they just call and book the appointments and they're getting paid hourly and then we take those appointments and our closers go in person. And then uh, we also have the strategic partnerships or referral partnerships, like you mentioned. And those might be my favorite too, man. Uh, we we only just got, like I'd say, like really into it over the last 45 days or so. Mm -hmm. And we formed some new partnerships. And I'm really excited about it because the first customer, or sorry, the first sale is always the hardest, right? Yeah. And so when you're leaning on somebody else's customer that they've already built trust with and they've already gotten the deal started with getting, getting the appointment is so easy. It's like butter, you know, you just create a small incentive and it's like, Hey, this is our preferred partner for this. And solar is the perfect thing for that because everybody's qualified, right? Everybody that's a homeowner that has not complete crap credit 
is qualified to be able to go solar or at least check it out at the very least check it out and so the fact that you can tap into that big of a market and you can lean on other people's trust that they've already built the other people's relationships that they've already built right The, the the first sale there's so much that goes into it and being able to lean on that just makes it frictionless it makes it so much more smooth than a lot of the other options out there and so we're really doubling down on that we're kind of tying that in with like an ambassador program which is basically just a fancier more well thought out affiliate program for those Mm -hmm. people and for individuals as well because right now most of what we're doing is for companies where we're partnering with like roofing companies or pest control companies and taking their existing customers they book the appointments and then we close them and they take a small rip off of it Mm -hmm. Uh, but getting the individuals like real estate agents loan officers people that you know, are looking for extra work because of the the state of the economy right now. That's where the ambassador program comes in and, and we're stoked for it, man. I really do think that the, that's going to be where a lot of companies this next couple of years start to tap into these and succeed in the solar world because more and more people are going to listen to podcasts like this and be like, huh, I never thought of that and go and try yeah. it and be like, oh shit, this actually works. <laughs> man, I would, re- I would so much rather have, and that's because, you know, like yourself included, we've done a lot of individual sales. And at this point in the game, it's like, I'll take five referral partners and just manage their customers and like take really good care of their customers. And they'll give me five deals a month and we'll be in good yeah. shape. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that is a, that, and that's the whole deal is like, no matter what the product is, you're developing those relationships, you're sending money both ways, you're creating opportunity all over the place within that relationship. And so let's just say solar gets outlawed in a couple of weeks, which we know it won't. It, there's a huge golden sea for solar, but um, let's say it gets outlawed. You still have that relationship, you know what I'm saying? And you're yeah. able to pivot to another product or pivot to another sector altogether. So yeah, I, would, I would agree on that though. And then, and honestly, we're, we're heavy door to door right now, but I am just like pounding my guys every day to get on social media, to put themselves out there, to start, building your machine like we do in Apex and and create those referral partners. You know, the whole deal yeah. is once they once you create the relationship and you give value a few times, they're gonna look you up, they're gonna see, okay, what's Doug all about? And then when they go to Doug's Facebook or Instagram, is he gonna be a, a guy that's about his family, about his uh, business and about his customers? You know what I'm saying? And if you are, yeah. that's a perfect referral partner, you know? And so that's just a piece of executing that, but all right. So grateful company, I'm excited about that piece because it's not just solar, right? It's kind of housing renewables in general. And then grateful solar, of course, you guys are scaling that. What's, what's next for you guys? What are you guys excited about right now? Two things. Um, one thing that's really unique that we're really, really pumped about, we got these killers that we partnered up with, uh, Dan Reed and Cade. Uh, those guys worked together for a while, but Dan Reed was actually the first guy to pilot the Vivint Solar program when Vivint first started playing with the idea of Vivint Solar mm-hmm. and went out and actually crushed it. And we partnered up with these guys uh, to launch our carbon credits program. Uh, we've been talking about this with anybody, so I'm kind of excited about it. I hope they don't say too much, but um, <laughs> I was going to say, be... are you sure you want to put this? Out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full send, man. Uh, carbon credits are interesting. If you Google and you watch some videos, there's an interview specifically with Robert Kiyosaki talking about carbon credits. It's very interesting. And basically in a nutshell, companies yeah. are 
getting fined right now by the government that are negatively impacting their carbon footprint, right? Like oil companies, gas companies, anybody that's just crapping on the environment. I mean, we know just politically right now, there's a massive push towards renewables for everything. So these guys are getting fined in the tunes of like tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars for their negative carbon footprint. So the way you can offset that is through carbon credits, right? And that's produced and certified through IREC, the IREC standard. And basically the way that it works is you can validate these carbon credits by producing them with solar farms or wind farms or whatever other like situation or way it's going to work. You can't, you can't get a carbon credit off of like a residential home. It's gotta be like a big project. Mm -hmm. Um, But these carbon credits are similar to crypto in the sense that one carbon credit can offset a lot of money for you and they're still so fresh that they're being sold for right now at a very low amount like 70 bucks or so and mm-hmm. they're going to be increasing their value they're assuming over the next 10 years it's going to go up 3000 percent is what projections are showing so imagine if you had the ability to uh, we have a unique relationship i think we're one of three people in the country right now with this company in the united states that has the ability to basically broker these carbon credits for companies with projects that they've done giant, you know, commercial projects or solar farms or whatever it is. We can contact these companies or these people lean on the projects that they've already done, validate and uh, basically pr- uh, produce these carbon credits for them. And then we can take a rip and we can get paid residually for years and years and years and they increase in value over time. So that's something that we're like really excited about. It's, mm-hmm. It's either going to be the greatest thing since the early 1800s and the oil boom with Rockefeller, or it's not going to work at all. And they're going to like change something with the law over the next couple of years, and it's going to be a dud. But that's why I'm excited for it, because the potential for that is so freaking massive, and not a lot of people know about, know about it at all. And that, in and of itself, could easily do what we think Grateful Company is going to do as a whole, just off of that one division over the next couple of years. So that's exciting. Outside of the carbon credits... Um, really, really pumped about the home pros company that we acquired out in Florida for roofing out there. Uh, we've been picking up some big momentum for the last couple of months. I think our first month with our bank account open, we did like 270,000 cash collected, which isn't great. You know, we have millions in contracts for like insurance, but for cash collected, it's not bad for the first 30 days. Um, so really excited to see what that division does and really just like what, what we can produce this next year for Grateful Company across the board. We've got mm-hmm. multiple divisions that are picking up momentum right now. We've got great partners that are running those and doing a phenomenal job at, at building that momentum and getting success in each of their lanes. So it's been really fun to just see us all kind of step into our zone and support each other and build this framework that's been a pain in the ass to build this year. So that we have this nice solid foundation to build off of going into the next year we know we're gonna have to build new foundations at new levels of revenue mm-hmm. um, but it's all part of the game we've been through a lot of crap this year and we've all grown closer and it's made our partnership stronger and our friendship stronger with each other so i'm just excited to see what we can do with grateful company as a whole for the next couple of years now that's massive man because all your problems that you're talking about have come from growth it sounds like so <laughs> it's sure. a great problem yeah. to have right um, yeah, I, I love the car, carbon credit concept. I don't quite understand it completely, but I feel like it's similar to oil shares, like you said back in the day. Mm. But yeah, so so my question is, and this is just me being curious, right? A company like that, wouldn't it make more sense to actually put solar on their buildings, or you know, and this is if they had the capacity, right? 
Because I understand what you're saying. Like a lot of companies don't have that big building that they can put on the roof, right? But we know that if on a commercial side, if they put solar on their building, you know, they don't even have to worry about the financing because there's investors that'll come in and invest in that project and they'll collect the depreciation for tax purposes, right? And so yeah. when we're talking about carbon credits, is there any, I mean, I, I guess, would they be able to claim depreciation on those carbon credits? Because it's it's a credit for a solar farm, essentially, right? I wouldn't know. I don't know if you're allowed to claim that. I don't think that it's technically classified as it might be. I don't know if it's classified mm -hmm. as an asset, though. Um, gotcha. That that's probably yeah. I, I, that's interesting. I might talk to a couple of my tax buddies and ask them what they think about mm -hmm. that, like whether it would be classified as an asset or not. Because from what I understand about commercial, and I'm not I'm not in commercial yet, but it's definitely something I have my eye on because when you talk about referral partners, that's all commercial is, right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yes, you can go door to door and hope that the owner of the building's inside. You know what I mean? We used to sell Directv B two B, but that's a lot different. The mm -hmm. tenant can purchase that. The it doesn't have to be the home yeah, yeah. or the uh, building owner, but in commercial, if you, you know, you have a, a commercial building and you've got, let's just say $150,000 solar project um, and you're not able to finance it or something like that, you can bring in investors and the investor's motive is to one, make a rip on the profit from that solar system, but also yeah. they typically don't, they just want the depreciation and they they yeah. claim it all that, that first year depreciation and, then they, and then the yeah. tax credit. Yeah, so yep. uh, they get all the benefits from that. And so that is a whole business in itself. And a lot of people way smarter than me work in that business. Uh, one of those is yep. uh, Alex Langmaster. You know who that no, is? No. You might want to no. reach out to him on the, on the, on the carbon credit things, because I know he's got a lot of big projects happening where he puts together the uh, proposal. He acts as a man, proposal adjuster for the like the school districts that are commissioning these solar farms, you know what I'm saying? So there may be nice. some synergy yeah. there anyways, oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, this podcast is pretty casual. <laughs> We're just talking about no, I love it. how we can help each it's other. Sick. There, I think but... other people are going to hear about this and yeah, they're probably picking yeah. up some nuggets too, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what it's for. Right. And so that being said, you know, from when you started posting on social to in the RBO mastermind, you know, and we'll probably meet very soon. I don't know if you're going to the dinner at, at the beginning of the next month. Yeah, having yeah I'll be there. Awesome. So we'll meet there. But uh, you seem like a person that's going to be that service first mindset, right? And uh, that's that's incredibly important to me because that's part of what I want my legacy to be, right? So the question I always ask all my guests at the end of the, the podcast is, you know, what does legacy mean to you? And what legacy are you going to leave behind? I've thought about that a lot this year, more more this year than ever before, man. I uh, I used to think legacy was, you know, building a family trust and acquiring land and, you know, leaving this big trust behind for my family, right? And having it passed down from generation to generation. Uh, my mindset shifted to where Ultimately, if I can impact enough people to take enough action to better their generation and the one below them, that's basically all I'm going to strive to do. And the reason I say that is because if you look at families that have established trust, it usually, A, it lasts forever, 
like these ridiculously wealthy families, the Rockefellers, things like that. Uh, and they pass it on and pass it on and pass it on, but their kids are psychos and they, none of them are happy and they're just stupid rich, but like it's, it just breaks the whole family. It just ruins everything. Or after a couple of generations, what more often than not happens is two, three, four, five generations, the money's gone. It's gone because the principles weren't passed down. So Mm -hmm. for my own family, sure. I'm going to teach principles to my son. I'm going to teach principles to as many people as want to hear them that find value and hopefully I have enough value to give them valuable principles that will impact them in a good way. But outside of that, if I can create just a small enough ripple effect to positively impact the generation below me so that they can potentially have a couple of me's quote unquote, young people that are motivated and hungry and want to do the same for their generation, we can create this domino effect where even if it's only one generation, that's still better than nothing. So I've changed my mindset around that a lot. I don't have to have my name carved in a stone or a statue, you know, or a stadium or uh, that's all garbage. It's just ego. You know, nobody matters after they're dead anyways. And so if I can just create a small ripple effect to the next generation and hope that they do the same, I think I've done my job. I love it. You're right on point, brother. And that's really what it is about, right? Because you can pass on this amazing company and your, your son decide, I don't really like solar or renewables. You know, I want to go, you know, climb mountains and and open up a mountain climbing company. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And and we have this idea in our head that if we create it, our kids will want it. That's just not true. Right. So to me, there's levels to it. You know, you got your values. That's the foundation. You've got the, um, your purpose and your passions. Right. And you hope that your kids take those on because you can do it together at some point, you know, and then you got the things, you know, like you said, the ranch, the valuables, all that kind of stuff, which they all have their place. Right. You know, mine is absolutely a hundred acre ranch that I want to pass on to generations and generations and we'll sit in a trust and that'll be there for the family. So they always have a home to go to, you know, yeah, that's important to me, but is it going to be my legacy? I hope not. I hope it's so much more, you know what I mean? I hope it is the values and the impact and the ripple effect. And eventually, yeah, my name will be lost in that. You know what I'm saying? But I do, you know, and I never said this on an episode before, but as you were describing it in my head, I was thinking about, you know, being side by side with God and looking down at your impact in your life. And then, you you know how you see it all the time, like maybe in the matrix or like this, basically all these different paths grow out like like a like yeah. a tree like tree roots but upside down yeah and you you could look down at the world and over a hundred years see your 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 path mm-hmm. carved out basically or the impact that you made yeah it creates all these little dots in the world you know that visual just came to me when you were saying that so well, that was pretty cool well hey brother i appreciate you coming on the show i think uh we need more people like you in solar because you know the positivity, the willingness to share, the willingness to educate, and there is no, you know, benefit to you. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, you want to make that impact, so that's the benefit. But you know, there's too many, uh, <laughs> too many short-term thinkers in solar. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah. as long as we're providing value, we can break up that monotony of that short-term thinking. So, I appreciate you coming on the show. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah. And we'll have uh, your Instagram in the in the uh, show notes. So if anybody is looking to get into solar, 
definitely check out Coda and his company, Grateful and Grateful Companies. And uh, let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. Be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.